When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $15.99. Save $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. We all do things our own way. And since the way that each of us sleeps is unique, you need a bed that fits you just the right way. Sleep Number smart beds make your sleep experience as individual as you are, using cutting-edge technology to give you effortless, high-quality sleep every night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, during Sleep Number's President's Day sale, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed plus special financing for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. See store for details. This is CNN Breaking News. Welcome to Unfiltered. Here's tonight's breaking headline. Uh, Go home 2018, you're drunk. Fittingly for a year of frenetic highs and lows, craziness and chaos and peak swampiness in Washington, D.C. We're ending it with a bang and a shutdown. We're now 18 hours into a partial shutdown of the federal government the third such shutdown this year. And after some wrangling this morning, Majority Leader Mitch McConnell adjourned the Senate until Thursday. But don't worry, President Trump took to Twitter to reassure the American people he's on the case. I am in the White House, he writes, working hard. News reports concerning the shutdown in Syria are mostly fake. We are negotiating with the Democrats on desperately needed border security, gangs, drugs, human trafficking, and more. But it could be a long stay. Now, what he's actually doing is anybody's guess. From what I can tell, he spent most of his time over the past 48 hours trying to pin the shutdown on the Democrats for not giving him his $5 billion border slats. Um, I specifically remember you saying, though, that you'd take the blame. If we don't get what we want, one way or the other, whether it's through you, through a military, through anything you want to call, I will shut down the government. Okay, absolutely. Fair and we I disagree. am proud, and I'll we tell you disagree. what, I am proud to shut down the government for border security. I will take the mantle. I will be the one to shut it down. I'm not going to blame you for it. The last time you shut it down, it didn't work. So what's changed? Why isn't the president manning up and owning the shutdown he said he would? Well, the Democrats outsmarted him, for starters. The shutdown is just one of the many breaking stories of the craziest week in Washington. And we'll get to the rest. But first, for the very latest on the shutdown, let me bring in CNN national correspondent Kristen Holmes. Kristen, lots of machinations today, behind-the-scenes stuff. What's the latest? What do you know? Well, basically, Essie, we are in a huge mess right now. Lawmakers went home, and not only did they go home without reopening the government, they went home without a plan to reopen the government when they come back on Thursday. Mm. And just to give you an idea here of where everyone's head is at, take a listen to Senate Democrat and Republican leaders earlier today. No further votes will occur until the president and Senate Democrats have reached an agreement to resolve this. Let me say that again. We push the pause button until the president, from whom we will need a signature, 
and Senate Democrats, from whom we will need votes, reach an agreement. President Trump, if you want to open the government, you must abandon the wall, plain and simple. Yep, so there you have it, two completely different opinions there, and you have Senator Mitch McConnell essentially removing Republicans from the situation, uh, saying we don't want anything to do with this, this is all about the president and Democrats, Democrats saying nothing is going to change, we are not going to pass any bill that has any wall language in it, and as for President Trump, well, Vice President Pence came up to Capitol Hill after these statements were made, and I'm going to read you the readout from Schumer's office, that's the meeting he had, it was very quick, and Schumer put out an uh, a statement saying the vice president came in for a discussion and made an offer. Unfortunately, we're still very far apart. Uh, now, as for the president himself, where his mind's at, uh, just about an hour ago, I got a fundraising email from his campaign, and the subject line was help build the wall. So this certainly could go on for some time now. Essie? Kristen, thanks for your reporting on this. I appreciate it. Now for tonight's other headline. It's not a wonderful life for President Trump. In fact, the past several weeks have been nothing short of a nightmare for him. There's the government shutdown that's sending hundreds of thousands of people home without pay just before the holidays. There have been multiple resignations at the highest levels of his cabinet. Of course, Trump's fending off investigations of nearly every entity with his name on it. There were numerous foreign policy blunders and a sudden troop withdrawal that sent experienced advisors heading for the exits. Then there's a slowing stock market and fears of a recession looming on the horizon. This movie isn't Capra, it's Coppola. Arguably the most significant blow to the Trump presidency came on Thursday with the abrupt announcement that Defense Secretary Jim Mattis will be leaving his post in February. Of course, Mattis's departure follows that of Interior Secretary Ryan Zinke, who left in disgrace just last week, and before that, Attorney General Jeff Sessions firing in November. But the Secretary of Defense's protest resignation left zero ambiguity as to why he was leaving. It was precipitated by the president's decision to withdraw U.S. troops from Syria and Afghanistan, a move that put Trump at odds not only with Secretary Mattis, but with all of his foreign policy advisors, another of whom, Brett McGurk, resigned last night. It's put him on the other side of Republicans and Democrats. When your only supporters on foreign policy are Rand Paul and Vladimir Putin, you know you're probably doing it wrong. To cap it all off, the stock market, the president's favorite barometer for the nation's economic health, well, it took a nosedive on Friday, with the Dow Jones having its worst week since the financial crisis of 2008. The sudden market volatility is in part a result of uncertainty created by the president's trade policies, as well as his inability to play political chess with Democrats and avoid a shutdown. Of course, the president is blaming the market downturn on the Federal Reserve's raising of interest rates, and Trump has reportedly begun polling advisors on whether or not he has the legal authority to fire Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell. Finally, Trump's reportedly lashing out at his hand-picked acting attorney general, Matt Whitaker, for failing to prevent prosecutors in the Southern District of New York from implicating him in a hush money scheme. Oh, boy. A report that's so alarming. On any other week, that information alone would suck the oxygen right out of the news cycle. But this isn't any other week. It's, as one top House Republican told CNN, the week the wheels may be coming off. Okay, here's the deal. Something is rotten in the state of Trump's presidency. 
it stinks, it reeks, it's decomposing before our very eyes. Trump, his supporters and Republicans who gave him cover can no longer pretend that this is a healthy administration. We are watching it fall apart. Now, for Trump opponents, this might seem like validation for all the warnings and concern they expressed, warnings that Trump didn't know enough, didn't listen enough, frankly, didn't care enough to do this very hard job. But none of this is good news. None of this is good for you, the American people. Think of it this way. If America were a business and the CEO was facing a dozen criminal and ethics investigations, multiple members of his inner circle had gone to jail. He was making rash decisions, rash decisions that prompted his top advisors to quit in protest. And the company had to temporarily shut down over failed internal business negotiations. What would happen? Investors would pull out, of course. Other companies might end their partnerships. Consumers would lose faith in the company. Shares would plummet. The board of directors might even consider replacing the embattled CEO, right? Well, for all his business acumen, it turns out Trump is a terrible CEO of a truly great company. A company he isn't making great again, but rather he's running into the ground. Okay, for some perspective from Washington, D.C., let me bring in Republican Congressman from Illinois, Adam Kinzinger. Uh, Congressman, let's start with the shutdown. Is there any way you think this thing gets hashed out in the next few days, or are we in it for a long stay, as the president says? I, you know, I don't know. It's like a bad episode of General Hospital where, you know, the, the plot's the same over and over, but we just can't look away and we do it all over and over again. So yeah. I, uh, you know, I look at this and go, President wants $5 billion. Probably what ends up happening is mm -hmm. he gets a little less than that. I, I think the president deserves the money for the wall, honestly. Like, he ran on this. Uh, yeah. It's pretty well supported, and we should do it. But... Uh, shutting down the government, especially when you have the Democrats coming in January 3rd. Uh -huh. uh, that's a time certain where now they have a seat in the House. So um, I don't think it gets resolved anytime in the very near future, but I think we may end up getting to something hopefully by the time the new Congress comes in. It's 25% yeah. of government. It's not the entire government, but it's no way to do business. So do you think that Trump was outplayed, outmaneuvered by Democrats on, on the wall in the shutdown? Not necessarily. I mean, you know, when you have an inflexible Democratic Party that says we're just simply not going to do anything that's called wall. And on <laughs> our side, we're like, we want to do something called wall. It's what the president ran on. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of bl I don't know if there's blame everywhere, but that's it's a really bad part of how this negotiates. And so, you know, the president for two years has signed spending bills that didn't have a lot of wall money in it. And it really kind of came to a head now. So I don't yeah. like it. I think it sends a bad message. Obviously, yeah. over the holidays, it makes people uncomfortable, especially. Mm -hmm. But I think we get through it like we always do somehow. So are you alarmed by the chaos inside this administration, the, the ethics violations, the investigations, the resignations, the snap policy decisions? Does that alarm you? Yeah, I mean, it's these investigations, nobody likes to see them. It's, it's, it, and you made a really good point. If this was President Obama, I wouldn't be celebrating any of this. This is a great country that right. we have to have two healthy parties and a very healthy administration. Uh, where I'm especially concerned is the area of Syria, the potential yeah. decision on Afghanistan, you know, really waking up one day and echoing Rand Paul's foreign policy view, which I got to tell you, 2% of the country votes libertarian in any given you know, presidential cycle because 
their foreign policy views are way out of the mainstream. And this is a page right yeah. out of Rand Paul's book. And, and you've seen that when all of the administration officials over the last few weeks and months have said, we're going to be in Syria for a while because there's so many reasons to be there. And like that, it changes. So it's very concerning. Yeah. And we're, we're going to talk more about Syria later in the show, but I, I do want to talk to you about it um, because you and I have talked about Syria a lot. And I know how important you think it, it is that we that we finish that fight uh, if we can. Do you have plans to talk to the president about that or have you spoken to the president about Syria? Yeah, I had uh, actually quite a uh, in-depth conversation with the president, and you know I don't want to reveal all the details of that because sure. I think there's re- it's important to be able to have that trust to talk openly. Uh, he was very open. I was very open. It was respectful. I believe uh-huh. he really believes he's doing the right thing, uh, but I vehemently disagree with what he's doing. You know, the the point is we have a base, for instance, in Tamf. Uh, only 200 people are there, but it is blocking Iran from being able to supply weapons to the enemies of Israel. We have mm-hmm. basically 30% of Syria under the U.S. and its allies' protection for a relatively le- low involvement, 2,200 mostly advisors. To leave that position takes us away from the negotiating table to end this. A humanitarian crisis is impending right. when they attack Idlib, which will happen. Right. Uh, it's a mess all around, not to mention it's a recruiting boon for ISIS. Uh, all of that and more. So what did you make of James Mattis uh, retiring? What did you make of his resignation letter? It was pretty, pretty scathing. Yeah, it was a professional and scathing letter. I, th- I think it was right for him to do. He obviously had very intense policy disagreements with the president. The president, agree with him or disagree, probably deserves somebody in that position that, that is, can advise him with his trust. But look, Mattis knew what was important. He knew the importance of this position in Syria. He knew the importance of continuing to press the fight in Afghanistan. We don't choose whether to fight terrorists. We just choose where to fight terrorists. And so I think uh, Secretary Mattis did the honorable thing by stepping down. Congressman Kinzinger, thanks so much. Have a merry Christmas at home with your friends you and too. family. Merry Christmas. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Next is President Trump's base bailing on him over Syria and the border wall. And coming up, I'll speak to a key player behind the major prison reform bill that President Trump signed into law this week. So over the past few years, I've watched Trump supporters in the right wing media strain credulity to defend some of the president's worst comments and policies and behavior from paying off porn stars to protectionist trade policies, from ballooning the debt and the deficit to actual criminal behavior. It seemed nothing was a bridge too far for some. Well, what a difference a week makes. Take a look. Trump gets nothing and the Democrats get everything, including control of the House. He loses and the Democrats will win everything they want. What do you make of the fact that it looks like the president has caved? Well, we know all that, time. but the president has no leverage. But it seems like chaos. Nobody thinks ISIS is defeated. He has zero chance of getting uh, 60 votes in the United States Senate, so it seems like we're heading for a shutdown. He also is doing exactly what he criticized President Obama for doing. He said President Obama is the founder of ISIS. He just refounded ISIS. Yikes. Uh, Mr. President, the call is coming from inside the House. The Fox Rebellion was met with a coup of sorts on the Hill as well, most notably Senator Lindsey Graham, who delivered a sharp rebuke of the president's decision to withdraw troops from Syria and mocked Trump's proclamation that ISIS has been defeated. So are we seeing the first cracks in the president's water carrier coalition? 
Let me bring in my guests. Senior columnist at The Daily Beast, CNN political commentator Matt Lewis, and former executive director of the New York State Democratic Party, Democratic strategist Basil Smeichel. Matt, what did you make of those critiques of the president on Fox and by Rush and Coulter was also uh, fairly critical of the president this week. No, it's a turning point. And I remember when this happened to George W. Bush, it took about six years. It was Harriet Myers was actually the what Catalyst, sort of finally. Yeah. 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 But the, Katrina, all that stuff kind of happened sure. around the same time. But the conservative movement, people forget, and conservatives in the media were kept in check by Karl Rove for years. Mm. And if you got out of line, they got on you. Mm-hmm. And this is a turning point. Now, I think what happened is, it was, I, I think Rush Limbaugh and Ann Coulter are the two most important. And hmm. they clearly got Trump to reverse his decision. He was going to go to Mar-a-Lago right now. Yeah. And uh, they got him to change his mind about the wall. But what message does that send? Mm. Once you realize that you can push a president, where does it go from there? Well, Basil, I mean, can you imagine if Rachel Maddow, Chris (laughs) Matthews, I mean, George Clooney, Robert De Niro, you know, the the liberal sort of uh, media celebs, had all criticized President Obama during one week of his presidency. It wouldn't have happened. But could you have could you have imagined that? That's what this was for the president. It did seem that the, that that is analogous to what happened to the yeah. president this week. And you know, it, it, what's interesting is that when you look at his personal and political inner circle, he's becoming more and more isolated. Yeah. And then that isolation is now carrying over into Congress and in sort of the bigger yeah. sort of media environment. And that actually, and you mentioned uh, uh, Karl Rove, that's what is it, interesting here. He has no one actually pushing back. And a lot of right. that has to do with his intransigent, his intransigence. You just can't, yeah. you can't negotiate and him, can't skin. talk with him, and it's thin skin. And he's becoming more and more isolated. So yes, this is a democratic victory of sorts, but at the same time, it is really the sort of uh, diminishing of of a president. Do you think, Matt, that the president's base, which includes the right-wing media, but also in Congress and then in, in, in terms of voters, do you think it's shrinking or do you think it's still got that same sort of solid support and the same size it always has had? Well, look, I think two things. One, I think once there's blood in the water, that's a dangerous thing, right? And so it took six years for conservatives to realize they could pressure, or actually they could start backing away from George yeah. W. Bush. I think we're beginning to see where you could you could cross Donald Trump and nothing bad happens to you. That's not good for Donald Trump, for that message to get out, that mm. you can criticize him without there being some retribution. Mm. But you asked about his base. I think that yeah. Donald Trump is bizarrely doubled down on his base yeah has doesn't care at all about persuading anybody else and but i you actually think that think, changes now that he's seeing some cracks in the base i think that what we saw was donald trump responding to these prominent ann coulter rush yeah. limbaugh the populist nationalist part of the base yeah the the folks who were very specifically because remember he's going against james mattis and yeah. other, what we could call the, the traditional Republican base, mm. he's going against them on Syria. Yeah. So this is a very specific thing. He's not going to cross the end cultures of the world. Um, Basil, let's talk about the shutdown. The last time, Democrats kind of took it on the chin uh, right. for, for the shutdown. Um, and, and Chuck Schumer caved fairly quickly. Do you think the math is different this time around for Democrats? It feels different, um, in part, I think, because there are a lot of voters that are saying we went to the polls 
to change the makeup of, of Congress in D.C. Yeah. And I think they're sort of waiting to, there's, I don't want to say there's apathy, but there's certainly, uh, let's wait and see, this is why we wanted a change in what's happening in Congress. Mm. So there's almost a wait and see until January. But then it does become incumbent upon the Democrats to sort of turn this around and change the dynamic that's there. Again, I don't think it's apathy because they're real people whose lives are going to be affected in very real ways. Yeah. But I also think that there are folks who are saying, this is exactly why we went to the polls and, and wanted something different. And, I would say, and a st- uh, sort of a street fight, you know, out, out in the, uh, the playground, kids get into a fight. The reason that you have a fight is because both sides believe that they can win. Mm-hmm. If one person is obviously going to win, the other person backs down. That is why this is so dangerous. Mm-hmm. I think Democrats think they're winning this. Donald Trump wants the fight more than the wall. Mm-hmm. Basil, Matt, thanks so much for coming on, especially on a pre-holiday weekend. I appreciate it. Okay, Republicans in Washington are weighing in on the president's recent moves. They aren't pleased. Later in the show, I'll speak to Van Jones about the new prison reform law that he helped get across the finish line. We all have our share of holiday travel nightmare tales, and that was before drones entered the picture. Repeated drone sightings at London's Gatwick Airport led to a complete shutdown of Britain's second busiest airport for more than 32 hours from Wednesday into Thursday and again briefly on Friday. But overnight, authorities arrested two suspects, surely to the relief of thousands of stranded passengers. You may have expected the culprits to be some troublemaking teens, but no. The suspects are a 47-year-old man and a 54-year-old woman. The pair was arrested on suspicion of the criminal use of drones and could face up to five years in prison for the stunt. In all, 1,000 flights were canceled or diverted and 150,000 passengers were affected. Tis the season. Okay, we'll be back in two minutes. In the Red File tonight, a government shutdown, withdrawing troops from Syria and possibly Afghanistan, the resignation of Defense Secretary Jim Mattis, the latest knee-jerk decisions by President Trump have lawmakers on Capitol Hill frustrated and fuming. GOP Senator Lisa Murkowski of Alaska told the president the shutdown was a bad direction to take. Just hours before the shutdown, Murkowski said Americans are expecting that a Republican president, along with his Republican House and Senate, will have an end game. South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham is also now calling for congressional hearings over Syria. Graham called the move to withdraw U.S. forces a stain on the honor of the United States. And Senator Bob Corker of Tennessee said conservative media is influencing the president, telling reporters, do we succumb to the tyranny? of radio talk show hosts? According to a recent Washington Post report, the president's decisions and conduct have led to a fracturing of Trump's coalition. Hawks condemned his sudden decision to withdraw U.S. troops from Syria. Conservatives called him a gutless president and questioned whether he would ever build a wall. Political friends began privately questioning whether Trump needed to be reined in. Senior political correspondent for The Washington Examiner and CNN political analyst David Drucker joins me now to discuss all of this. So, David, there's a growing list of GOP leaders who have been publicly and privately more critical of Trump's latest moves. Uh, what are you hearing on the Hill? Well, I think the difference, SE, is that what Republicans have always said from the very beginning Uh, Because let's step back for a minute and understand that we have heard this story before. About every four to six weeks, 
Trump is off the rails. People are losing faith in him. Maybe he needs to be reined in. Everybody's freaking out. This is not a new story. I think the difference this time is exactly why the story is being written. And so what I've heard from the beginning with, with Donald Trump from Republicans who are from the traditional end of the party is that, look, he may say a bunch of wacky things. He may act in a sort of untethered manner. And look, he's not my cup of tea and I don't want my kids watching him on TV. But on the big things that matter to me, he does the right thing even when he doesn't say the right thing. And I think what we saw in the past week with uh, the Syria policy, the potential for the Afghanistan pullout, Mattis resigning in protest for the reasons that he stated in the letter very yeah. openly. All of a sudden, Republicans are wondering, is he even doing the right thing anymore mm -hmm. on the things that really matter to me? And one more thing on the shutdown. Look, I mean, you know, this is a political question about who voters are going to blame. And, and it's, right. it's sort of a game of chicken that both parties play. But I, I think what's bothering Senate Republicans and the reason Mitch McConnell has now ceded all negotiations to Chuck Schumer uh, to work with the White House and figure this out is because Senate Republicans and House Republicans, for that matter, at least the leadership, actually had a deal. They had a deal that the president right. agreed to. And so Mitch McConnell brings it up and they voice vote it, which means every Republican in the Senate is on the hook for that vote. Mm -hmm. And then the president changes his mind. And they do not want to be in a position again where they think they have a deal, vote right. on something, and then the president changes his mind. This is not the way you president. This is not the way you legislate right. and actually cut deals. And so ultimately the president is hurting his own cause with his own priorities because this may have worked for him in the previous job he held, but it's just not the way you get things done in Washington. And so if he right. wants a wall and he wants to overhaul immigration policy and whatever else he wants to do, he's not going to do it if nobody trusts him. So of... Uh, among all the lawmakers that you've been speaking with, of all the frustrations, which has them the most concerned? Is it is it the shutdown and sort of facing constituents when they go home for the holidays now? Is it Mattis? Is it Syria? Or is it all of it? Well, I, I think you, know, you could say it, having it all come at the same time doesn't help matters, but I think it's on issues of national security and foreign policy where they're going to be the most concerned. I mean, the shutdowns, they're mm. so used to it now, they're not even bothering with the pretense of breathless, breathless negotiations and keeping the Capitol open till all hours <laughs> as Christmas approaches. They're just like, heck it, we're going home, we'll see you on the 27th, who cares? Mm. Because everybody knows how this thing is going to end or not end. It may, it may you know, take a couple of months, who knows? I think when it comes to matters of foreign policy, there's a real concern that the U.S. is undermining its power around the globe, mm. that our allies won't trust mm. us, our adversaries will be, will be more emboldened to challenge us, and we will end up in a war when we didn't have to end up in a war. We'll end up fighting terrorists mm. where we don't want to fight them rather than where it's yeah. beneficial for us to fight them. And that is the real concern mm -hmm. I think you're getting from Republicans. And look, over the last two years, Republicans in Congress, when they've really been willing to challenge the president, it has been on matters of foreign policy. There was a bill in right. July of 2017 with a veto-proof majority, and it hamstrung the president's ability to cut deals with Russia without right. congressional approval. Yeah. So we've seen concern before. I think it's just very, very heightened because Mattis right. reassured everybody they slept much better. Now yeah, it's foreign sure. policy by Trump, and they're very, very concerned. David Drucker, thanks for the insight. Thanks a lot, Essie. President Trump blindsides America's allies and his own staff with his plan to leave Syria. I'll speak to two experts about the massive consequences after the break. President Trump blindsided America's allies and delighted our enemies when he announced on Wednesday that he was ordering a full and rapid withdrawal of U.S. military forces from Syria, declaring that ISIS had been defeated there. 
Well, that's likely news to the estimated 30,000 members of ISIS in Syria and Iraq currently. The announcement is a reversal from the administration's promise in September to remain in Syria until there is a, quote, enduring defeat of ISIS. It's also a reversal which has seen a historic first, a defense secretary resigning in protest. General James Mattis's letter informing the president read in part, quote, my views on treating allies with respect and also being clear-eyed about both malign actors and strategic competitors are strongly held and informed by over four decades of immersion in these issues. Mattis went on to say that President Trump deserves a defense secretary whose views better align with his own. Earlier this week, many wondered whether that scathing rebuke would precipitate other resignations. And this morning we found out the answer was yes. U.S. envoy to the global anti-ISIS coalition, Brett McGurk, accelerated his February departure to December 31st. According to The New York Times, he told colleagues he could not carry out the president's new policy. For more on the consequences of President Trump's decision, I want to bring in former State Department spokesperson during Obama administration, CNN military and diplomatic analyst, retired U.S. Navy Rear Admiral John Kirby, and former senior national security advisor for the Obama administration, Samantha Vinograd. Uh, Admiral Kirby, let me start with you. Uh, first, is Trump right? Is ISIS defeated? No, of course not. No, and uh, I mean, no, nobody on his team believes that, and, uh, and certainly nobody on the ground in Iraq or Syria believe that. Uh, they have been reduced significantly in terms of the territory they possess in Syria, but there's still adequate manning and resourcing there to support them, uh, and they will take advantage uh, of a precipitous withdrawal by the United States uh, to try to regain not yeah. only ground, uh, but funding resources and influence in Syria. So, Admiral, it's, it's important to focus on ISIS as an aspect of the Syrian war, I think. But I also want to remind people it's also a humanitarian disaster and a genocide. A million Absolutely. innocent people have died, 50,000 of them children. Millions are displaced. There's still so much we can do there, but only if we have a presence on the ground. The presence on the ground is important, Essie. No question that helps us with some leverage, uh, but it's not the answer to everything. I think the, the argument by the administration that we were uh, that we were a huge uh, le uh, you know counterbalance to Iran and mm. Syria by having 2,000. I think that was uh, I think that was overstated. I, I think there's an element to it uh, yeah. in Tampt in particular. But uh, but look, I mean, we have been absent from the diplomatic process since Trump became president, and that's yeah. a problem. And he does have leverage not only in those 2,000 troops that he could have used to get back into the negotiation table and get back to leading diplomacy, but because he has struck Syria twice now with airstrikes, significant yep. numbers of airstrikes that gave him leverage that he just hasn't been willing to use. And that's the real shame of it. You hit the real yeah. issue, SE, is that the, the, the civil war is getting forgotten in all this and the fact that yeah. it's not going to end. And our withdrawal is only mm -hmm. probably going to, to prolong the effort by those rebel groups to continue fighting Assad. Sam, Brett McGurk, um, the U.S. envoy to the Global Coalition fighting ISIS also uh, resigned. What have you heard about his departure? Well, I've known Brett McGurk since we started working together in Iraq in 2007, and he is a dedicated public servant. And I can only imagine that this was a very difficult decision for him. But as we talk about Syria and the way forward, and General uh, Admiral Kirby made some very important points about the civil war, the Global Coalition to 
defeat ISIS isn't just about boots on the ground. It had a lot of other missions ahead of it, like countering the really uh, extreme rhetoric that ISIS continues to spread online. Mm. And when you think about someone like Brett McGurk, if he had to go back and talk to the 78 other countries and organizations that still comprise that coalition, he would be in a much more difficult mm. position today when the U.S. is withdrawing. We right. cut off stabilization assistance that the State yeah. Department was supposed to deliver. How is he going to ask other coalition members to continue mm. the fight if we're pulling back? Um, Admiral Kirby, is there any hope in your view of holding Bashar al-Assad accountable for, for war crimes in, in maybe international um, courts, or do we just now live in a world where the genocide of a million people uh, happens before our very eyes and we do nothing? I want to be optimistic, S.E. I think the international community is still animated enough about what's going on in Syria. Stefan de Mistura, although he is standing, he's standing down, the U.N. Special Envoy, he's still working very hard on the Geneva process, what's left of it. I, I do believe and I want to believe that the international community, the U.N. in particular, will continue to want to hold Assad uh, to account. What's difficult for me to see is how we get there while yeah. he continues to be propped up by Russia and Iran. While the civil war is almost over now, he is clearly winning it. I just don't know how we get there. Uh, and without the United States and our leverage and our influence that we have been able to exert inside multilateral institutions, now we're not because this president doesn't believe in those institutions. Uh, Sam, finally, real quick, how do you think our enemies see this move, this decision? Well, I think that our enemies like ISIS see this as a prime opportunity to prove the president wrong. He has said that ISIS is defeated and is really goading them to say, look, we're not defeated. We can still inspire attacks against the United States and around the world. And this is during a high risk uh, period for the United States. The holidays are always high risk. So many people are traveling. So many yeah. people are buying things. And there's so many high profile events. So my fear is that this is, yes, a gift to ISIS, but also a real risk to our security in the near term as well. Scary stuff. Thank yeah. you uh, both for helping me to uh, break it all down. Sam, Admiral Kirby, appreciate it and have a great holiday. Up next, I'll speak to two people behind the bipartisan push that led to this week's prison reform law. My friend and colleague Van Jones calls it a Christmas miracle. President Trump has signed a monumental prison reform bill as part of an extensive overhaul to the criminal justice system. Criminal justice reform. Everybody said it couldn't be done. They said the conservatives won't approve it. They said the liberals won't approve it. They said nobody's going to approve it. Everybody's going to be against it. Everybody worked so hard on this. And I look at, you know, behind me, I said, this is a cross-section of everybody in our country. The bill known as the First Step Act changes federal prison sentencing guidelines and clears the path for the early release of thousands of federal prisoners convicted of nonviolent crimes. A key portion of the bill eases some mandatory minimum sentences for drug offenses, such as selling crack cocaine. The bipartisan bill landed on the president's desk after months of behind-the-scenes negotiations. Someone who knows something about that because he was there for much of it is Van Jones. He's the host of CNN's Van Jones Show. And joining him, national director and co-founder of Cut 50, Jessica Jackson Sloan. Both worked with the president on getting this legislation passed. Uh, Van, I'll start with you first. Congratulations. I know you put your heart and soul into this effort. So tell me how significant this is right now. You know, this is a historic breakthrough. Um, uh, people have been talking about criminal justice reform 
uh, for now a decade, and nobody's been able to figure out how to get it done. This breakthrough, it's not just good for people behind bars, though it's remarkably good for people behind bars. I'll leave that to Jessica. Politically, it is now safe for people in both parties to talk common sense about what we're doing with our prison system. Everybody knows we're wasting money. We're putting people in for too long. Folks are coming home bitter and not better. But it just goes on and on and on. And people are afraid to do anything because they don't want to get a Willie Horton ad saying they're right. soft on crime. Right. Look, when you have Donald Trump and Nancy Pelosi, when you have the New York Times and Fox News, when you have you know Sean Hannity and Dr. King's family all saying this is a good bill, mm. it gives everybody a chance to decloak, come out the closet, and come out with better ideas to have community safety. And, uh, and it's not just this bill, it's called the First Step Act. We believe it's going to license so many more bills across the country to begin moving in the right direction. Well, and we, we just saw footage of you and Jessica both um, at the bill signing. Jessica, you've been working alongside Van. Uh, you were both at the White House, as we just saw. I, I think one of you got the pen that signed the bill. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Jess, we've talked about this. Uh, what does it mean to you and for those who are currently incarcerated, as Van said? Well, for the 2.2 million people who are currently incarcerated, this is a ray of hope. Uh, there are so many families, so many people out there who have been impacted, like I was when my husband went to prison, and they were starting to lose hope. They thought nobody cared about them. You know, when he went to prison, I felt more alone and scared than I ever have in my whole life. And this shows that we're not going to give up on people. We're not going to destroy families. We're going to start paving the pathway to justice reform, end mass incarceration, and start giving people a real second chance when they come home. Well, and Van, this legislation, this issue really, um, as you mentioned, brought together some strange bedfellows. You mentioned some of them. Um, I'll throw in a few more. Kim Kardashian, Kanye West, you guys, Jared Kushner. Van, do you think this was just an idea whose time had come, or do you think it took these people, this president, this Congress, this mm -hmm. moment to get it done? You know, it, it took, it, it was everything coming together at the same time. You know, timing is everything in politics. But, you know, the strongest movement on the right, um, you know, the legacy of the Tea Party movement and that whole thing, uh, is about liberty. Uh, it's about limited government. It's about, you know, the government not getting so big and gobbling up so many rights and so much money. Uh, that movement is, is in full uh, uh, flower. On the left, it's been, you know, Black Lives Matter and other social movements saying, hey, we need justice for the people who don't have much. Well, when you have a liberty movement and a justice movement coming together, you get liberty and justice for all. Both of the strongest movements in our country had converged on this issue, and it was just impossible to stop it. Mm. But, the, but the spearhead of it were people like Jessica Jackson, who's directly impacted, Topeka Sam, uh, Lewis Reed, who, who, were, uh, who were formerly incarcerated. On the right, you had um, uh, David Safavian from American Conservative Union, mm -hmm. formerly incarcerated, and of course, Jared Kushner, whose father went to prison. It was those people. There was no big, lobby, big highly paid lobbyists. There weren't billboards. There weren't strategic Google ad buys. There was no super PAC. This was the old-fashioned way of people who just, mm -hmm. were, just gave a damn and would not say die and got ultimately 87 votes in the Senate to 12 which is unheard of. You can't get that for a, a post office name change. And, and, and now the water is safe for everybody to get in with their best ideas to get us more community safety and less incarceration. So Van, are you gonna work on climate change with the White House next? 
<laughs> well, you know. <laughs> I mean, it seems like anything's possible now. <laughs> well, you know, um, you know, let's take one Christmas miracle at a time. Okay, that, sounds that good. Be, yeah. All right, Van and Jessica, great work. Yeah. Thanks for joining me. I'm really yeah. glad you could. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's it for us tonight. Uh, quick reminder, Anderson Cooper and Andy Cohen co-host CNN's New Year's Eve coverage live from Times Square with Brooke Baldwin and Don Lemon. It'll start at 8 p.m. Eastern. I know that's where I'll be. Up next, the latest headlines on CNN Newsroom with Anna Cabrera. Sit tight and have a Merry Christmas. We all do things our own way. And since the way that each of us sleeps is unique, you need a bed that fits you just the right way. Sleep Number smart beds make your sleep experience as individual as you are, using cutting-edge technology to give you effortless, high-quality sleep every night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $15.99. Save $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.